0: And we welcome you to this edition of Your Health, New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And on today's show, we're going to hear from participants of a variety of programs offered by Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and joining us in studio... And she has been here many times in the past, and we're (laughs) glad about that. Jody Harper, Associate Director of Southern New Hampshire AEC, And uh, Jody, why don't you uh, introduce... you're a companion in studio today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ken. I'm glad to be back today. I'm starting to feel like an old pro at this, which well, is kind of fun. Are. You are. <laughs> I finally got the hang of it after eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're excited today. We've talked a lot in the classes and in the episodes before today about the different classes and trainings that we offer at AHEC. So we're thrilled to hear from people who participated in our trainings and how it's impacted their careers and what they're up to now. So with us today, we have our friend Yosida from the Seacoast Public Health Network, who is a trained community health, health worker. So, Yosida, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Sure. Um, my name is Yosida Tanjai, and I work at the Seacoast Public Health Network. I'm also a program coordinator with the Southern AHEC.
0: Very good. and. Uh let's talk about your experience with uh, with Ahec and when were you first uh, introduced to Southern New Hampshire Ahec
2: Oh my goodness um so i joined a team last april so april 2022 yeah. and yes yeah, so i've been
1: there for a little over a year now and it's been great <laughs> Yeah, funny to believe it's been that long. Time flies when we're having fun, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. So when did you take your CHW training with uh, AHEC?
2: Yeah, so I took it last May, and I think it was seven, seven, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So I finished it in June, and it was good. I really liked it. Um, The training was an interesting way for me to learn to become a CHW because prior to joining, I didn't know what a a CHW was, and... um, I learned that there were more um jobs that fall under the CHW umbrella, like a mm-hmm. case coordinator, case managers. And I just didn't know those were like a part of CHW. So it was really good for me to learn as I was like
1: starting my position. Yeah, thanks for highlighting that, Yosita. I think that's something a lot of people tend to forget about is community health worker. They assume because health is in the name, it has Mm. to be the health system. Yes. But really a community health worker is a person who's from a community who helps to bridge between the community and a system. It could be we have community health workers who, yes, are in health systems, but they're in schools, they're in hospitals, they're in family resource centers, they're in nonprofit organizations, building communities in New Hampshire, which I think is based here in Concord. They have community health workers. That are helping, you know, just somebody who's a trusted individual from a community that could be that bridge between communities and systems. It's a pretty cool thing.
0: And we have talked to a number of community health yes, workers <laughs> uh, on the show over these uh, over these months. And uh, what uh, Yosita is your your current role with AHEC?
2: Oh, I work as a program coordinator, so I oversee their um, nursing nursing placements, uh, student placements for the Lamprey Health Care.
0: So uh, what uh, inspired you at first to pursue your current position?
2: Yeah, um, so when I was an undergrad at UNH, I participated in a program, it's called uh, Semester in the City. So I was there for just a semester, and I interned at the Cambridge Women's Center. There are a day shelter for anybody who identified themselves as woman, and it was like a safe space for women to be there um, to get services, whatever that they need, and I was there as a data management person. I was intern, but um, sometimes when we're short on band, a volunteer, sorry, I, I filled in to provide a support. And um, it was my first time interacting with, you know, the underserved population. And I've always knew that I wanted to help people, you know, but I knew, I knew that um, I didn't, have what it takes I think maybe to be a doctor. Growing up in like an Asian family, it was really like a doctor or a lawyer or yeah. really specific uh, positions. And to, to, to work at this place, it allowed me to realize that there are more job opportunities that I could help with people. So a story that I could think of that really stayed with me to today was that um, it was my one of the first days at the center and a woman approached me, and then she said, like, I would like your help. And I was like, of course. So she took me by the hand, and we went up to the library and closed the door. And um, and she just told me about her story and how her day went. And I could tell that she was distraught at first, right? And then after sharing her story, I didn't have any training on what to kind of what to say. So I said, thank you for sharing. And then she she thanked me. And I just didn't know why she thanked me because I, all I did was just listen. Mm-hmm. So we hugged each other. And... I realized then that was like what she really needed at the moment and I felt like I was really helpful. So that really, it really stayed with me and I I took it as I could be helpful, you know, to others. Um, That is so cool, you see that. Yeah,
1: and it led me to this. Yeah, yeah, sometimes people, they really just need somebody to listen. You don't have to be a therapist to listen, which is <laughs> yeah. really, really important. Sometimes people, they're like, oh, I don't have the credentials. I don't have all those letters after yeah. my name. But, you know, when you can be a listening ear who truly cares about someone from the community, then that's really that goes a long ways. Yeah, it really stayed with me. So
2: I really want to work in the underserved population and help them.
1: Yeah. And now, because I have the privilege of knowing you from work, I know that you received a pretty big achievement this spring. And you want to talk about your graduate school experience and kind of how that ties in.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I am a recent graduate from um, University of New Hampshire mm-hmm. for public health, Master of Public Health. And um, in the spring, I presented my project on food insecurity in the Seacoast, Um I wanted to learn a little bit about food insecurity because I feel like when you think of Seacoast region, you think of like Portsmouth, Exeter, like mm-hmm. beautiful houses, right? Like beach fronts. And I really want to raise that awareness of those small pockets of the, of the population that are still experiencing, you know, food insecurity or housing uh, insecurity. And I did some research and um, Rockingham County has the lowest SNAP enrollment amount, um, the supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. <laughs> I was like, what is that called? <laughs> and um, and I was wondering, like, you know, why? Because when I did my research, I think, like, a little over 80% of people who at least took my uh, survey were struggling or, you know, were experiencing food insecurity. And I'd really want to know why people are not enrolling. Is it, like, because they don't know about it? Or mm-hmm. is it like, the stigma? So it was it was really, um, it really provided me an insight of, that issue in New Hampshire, because I think today, in today's time, with like ec- the economy and everything, um, I at least didn't think that food insecurity was an issue for 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 Rockingham County. Um, but it was it was really good to raise that awareness, um, and I got um, an award from where did I present the Public Health Association? Oh, yeah. yeah, about the project. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really rewarding for me on my end. But yeah.
0: So that's quite a a success story (laughs) in a a short amount of time, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So uh, what what advice uh, would you give someone who may be listening today who wants to start a career uh, as a uh, community health worker?
2: Yeah, for sure. I would say do it. It's a very rewarding experience. And for those that aren't sure of where they want to start their career in public health, this is definitely a great opportunity because you can explore
1: a -hmm. lot of options. So. Yeah. And, and you tell us a little bit about what you do in your CHW role, because I and for those of you listening, if you don't follow yet, you should follow the Seacoast Public <laughs> Health Instagram, because when you follow, you get to see what Yosita and Sam and some of the others from the public health network are up to. And it's pretty neat work they're doing. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. So as I mentioned before, I work as. I work at CSW for the regional public health network, so I don't have the capacity to do like client visits or like you know home or like one-on-one visits. So what we do is a lot of broader outreach, mm-hmm. and um, that's you know tabling or attending events and stuff like that. So we've been to libraries, uh, shelter, and food pantries, and um, what Sam and I did actually last year during the public health emergency is that we provided. Over ten thousand COVID test kits. Yeah, ten thousand. Ten thousand. Wow. Yeah, and like a little, I think like five hundred and ten and ninety-five masks to the community. God. Yeah, it was it was really awesome. That's
1: incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about impact. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like you say, you know, you don't work one-on-one with clients, but ten thousand COVID tests in the community—that's a pretty big impact. Yeah, so that was that was really great.
0: So, um, how do you see you, your role in in the health community? Uh, going forward. In other words, uh, what what would be next for you?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, for me, I really enjoy what I do right now. I think mm-hmm. there's a wide variety of topics that I can, like, touch on. Um, I think, personally, I want to work on focusing on what I really like to do, um, whether it be, you know, heat-related injuries in New Hampshire or food insecurity. Um, but I think what's next for me is to continue working in the public health realm. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs>
0: What do you enjoy most about it? What do you get the most satisfaction from?
2: Oh, my gosh. For sure, it's definitely helping people. And, like, I think the impact that I get, or, like, the feedback that I get back from from people that I I helped with, I think that's, I don't know, priceless. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Absolutely. That is uh, Yosita Tanjai, and and she will be with us for the balance of the program today. Jody Harper is uh, also here. And this is Your Health New Hampshire presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. Right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And we will be right back. Stay with us. We welcome you back to this edition of Your Health, New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And on today's show, we're hearing from participants of a variety of programs offered by Southern New Hampshire AHEC. And joining us in studio, Jody Harper, the Associate Director of Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and Yosita Tanjai. Uh, and uh, Yosita was uh, terrific in that (laughs) opening state, in that opening segment of the show. (laughs) And uh, now we're going to be joined by Jim Terrero. Jim, how are you today?
3: Yes, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It is great to have you back uh, on the show. And uh, uh, Jim, we we talked to you before about your career, which is now a— a firefighter in uh, in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, what yeah. what inspired you to uh, take on that profession?
3: Yeah, so um, I always been uh, you know a people person. I always wanted to help out people and you know just kind of give back to the community. Uh, you know, since I was a kid, obviously, like you know every every kid wants to be a firefighter. You know, wants to you know ride on the fire trucks. I Always had an inspiration for that. You know, so. Uh, I, I wanted to to do a career where it would impact the community, the people, and you know I, I met some friends over firefighters and I just got connected and ever since then you know it's just, um, you know I went on to school to become a
0: firefighter. So, so people are probably wondering now how AHEC uh, <laughs> yeah. Im- impacted your yeah. career at, as a firefighter.
3: Yeah, you know it's it's amazing because it just. Um, the training that I, that I received, um, you know, not only just firefighting but also um, in the medical aspect because you know we're, we're EMTs as well, so we got to be able to communicate. And uh, I received a medical interpreting training, um, and I it, it was it was so helpful in many ways because I was able to enhance my medical terminology in English and in Spanish, and just having and being able to just communicate fluently with patients in both languages you know it broke that barriers that many firefighters in EMT in the state of New Hampshire don't have it's just being able to speak English and Spanish fluently and just have you know whatever needs are are, 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 are at the moment are met you know without having to you know call for an interpreter or just have a you know misunderstanding so.
1: Yeah, and that's so important that we have. And so, Jim, I mean, we all know that I have the pleasure of having known you since you were in high school. And, um, you know, knowing that you came from Dominican and you're a native Spanish speaker, that's your first language. Why did you ultimately decide to get into the interpretation classes after you had started fire school?
3: Um, So I I was a firefighter um, and also an EMT. And obviously I got my EMT certification after the fact. So I was able to do a lot of um, just 911 calls um, and be able to to help out in the pre-hospital world and I've I've learned that that there you know that there was a need for more just you know after the fact you know because when we brought patients in that didn't speak English I've noticed that there was a gap that needed to be met because if it wasn't a staff member there that was a, a Spanish speaker then the, the patients will have a hard time communicating and I knew there was a program out there in order for me to become an interpreter and then I took it and I, you know, I, I got, you know, the chance to uh, meet Florentina, which, you know, she was my teacher at the moment, my instructor at the time. And she was able to help me out expand that in so many other ways because not only can you be a medical interpreter, but, you know, you can be a, a law interpreter or a legal interpreter, which is, a, it's a whole different world within it itself. But, you know, being able to be within the medical field and kind of take what I already know and just, enhance it, make it even better, you know, it was awesome. It was truly an opportunity that, that I wanted to take, that I wanted to continue on and, and grow from. You
1: and you've you've been one of our best recruiters for other interpreters over the years as well. I feel like every class someone's always writing, Oh, I heard about it from Jim
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and that's the thing, you know, we we you know if if you're in the field and you know someone is interested in it. You know that's that's the best thing you can do because that's that becomes part of the networking within the interpreting community too.
0: Yeah, exactly. How long have you been a firefighter in, in Manchester?
3: In the city, I've been nine years. Oh my god, so, nine years! <laughs> um, but I started um, as a as a uh, part time firefighter in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, and so um, so when I worked up in Vermont, uh, I worked in a Small town called Windsor, Vermont, and we did a lot of uh, just work within the Dark Hospital. Uh, and, uh, and I actually became an interpreter at Dark too. So it was kind of, it was pretty neat because I, not only did I understand the aspect behind, you know, the pre hospital world, but once I became a staff member of the hospital, it was pretty cool because then, uh, you know, I was able to see how it transitioned into inpatient care.
0: Yeah, and and I would think uh, in Manchester because of its population uh, makeup, especially in the uh, inner city uh, in in Manchester, your interpretive skills, uh, you know, must be very very helpful to many.
3: Absolutely, and uh, yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the one of the topics that is even been discussed within the department. You know, they joked around the fact that, like Jim, why don't you do uh, interpreting classes here? Why don't you come up with it? with a, with an outline, with a sheet of stuff that we can say or ask, you know? So it truly becomes very important. Um, it, it, it brings that medical gap, you know, much closer into what the patient's needs are. Um, there's been many, many different occasions where I've come into the household and, you know, it's a family member, usually under the age of 18, doing interpreting for, for the mom or the dad or, you know, which at that point, if I'm there, know you know I'm you know, fluent in Spanish and English and I, you know having the, the the experience I can tell them like hey look we'll we'll just do it from here we'll we'll take it over there's no need for a family member to interpret here so
1: yeah and Jim we should talk because if the department's interested in doing an interpretation 101 like how to work with interpreters for the department we could make that happen <laughs>
3: yeah absolutely you know they're they're all for it you yeah. know um the department you know always is looking for you know for ways to just keep growing and and finding better ways to serve the community, you know, and this is, you know, and being able to have just more bilingual or just more people that can speak the language of the community, wherever yeah. it may be, you know, it, it truly is, it's, you know, it's, it's helpful for, for, the, you know, for, for the whole city. Well.
0: And, you know, Jim, I, I can just tell by uh, the way you're, you're speaking with us here today that you have a, a great, great passion uh, for what you're doing. And it's something that, that uh, you know you mentioned that you always wanted to do what, what do you like most about being a firefighter
3: oh man uh, just being able to to represent um, the community um, seeing you know helping those I mean there's just so much behind it you know you you know how do you describe you know what is it for you to love something it's obviously it's you know I go into work not thinking it's work you yeah. know I, wow. I I enjoy helping you know making making a better day out of those that you know may may not be in their most, you know not the best, you know, and being able to just kind of advocate for those in the city too. so and it goes beyond the city, you know because i I, I know there's kids out there that inspired to be a firefighter, you know, but then they see and then you don't find anybody that looks like them, yeah, you know, so to me when they go up to me and they're like, "Oh, wow, you're a firefighter to me, that's inspiring, you know because I I want to help and guide the next generation, you know. So that's a motivator for me, you know. Motivators for me to help those that, you know, I needed help. You know,
0: absolutely. And and, and I also understand uh, they, they make some pretty good food at, at those firehouses, <laughs> from from what I hear.
3: Yeah, you know. Well, you know, there's a couple guys there that. They say they don't know how to cook, but that's like their secret weapon. They don't want to, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we well, you know we we get we get all hands involved in there, especially with the crew that I work. Everybody's great. Everybody brings in a different part. My I don't want to say it's my specialty, but I like cooking food, you know, from you know the Caribbean. Yeah. So oh, sometimes yeah. we mess around and we start talking about making some Cajun, you know, rice or just jerk. Chicken and then when you start talking like that with these guys, they don't say no to none of that oh, no. <laughs>
0: Who would say no to that, Jim? To bring absolutely, some into the studio yeah. the next time you're on right. here. They, yeah, Jim, can, can you like, share any recent uh, achievements or, or milestones in, in your career? Um, you know
3: that that's kind of an evolving question, right? Because you, I mean, we're always. Always evolving, always trying to just keep growing within within whatever we do, um, and obviously, you know, one of the goals is one day, is hopefully, I can become an officer. You know, we will be a supervisor or a lieutenant to us. You know, but then before that process, you know, I want to continue to grow. So recently, I've been taking classes at the academy, um, but that's just 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 they keep expanding. You know, I'm not just a firefighter. I'm also, you know, an instructor at the academy. Yeah. Very you know, good. What do I instruct? You know, I, I do other things. You know, I, I specialize in other things too. So recent achievements, you know, I could name off, you know, you know a list of things. But it, that's not the end goal. You know, I'm, I'm still looking to grow. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully we're starting a program pretty soon within the city that will help um, high schoolers and middle schoolers have an introduction into the fire service oh, too, wow. nice. because we want you know we want to see if we can we can continue to have you know firefighters come come through you know not just anybody that's like oh I don't you know I, I don't know where to start you know we want to create you know we want to create uh a, a, what it would be like a feeder program you know to other departments so there's many achievements that are you know that are you know being accomplished all the time but you know not just one outstanding one at the moment that I can think of.
0: Well, Jim, as always a delight to uh, have you on the program. Uh, you're a great representative uh, of AHEC and, uh, and some of the services that, that they provide. And uh, we wish you uh, continued success in your field, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And Jim Terrero uh, from the uh, Manchester Fire Department and uh, just uh, a, a terrific guy, a great firefighter, and certainly uh, got uh, his interpretive skills uh, from AhEC and uh, the programs that, uh, that they have. Uh, and uh, check it out. And this program is presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, program that focuses on wellness and health education. And we will be right back here on wKxL NHtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Your Health, New Hampshire, here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And today, uh, we're hearing from participants of a, a variety of programs offered by Southern New Hampshire AHEC. Joining me in studio, Jody Harper, Associate Director of Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center and Yosita Tanjai of AHEC, and uh, joining us now is uh, Quincy Worthy. Quincy, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Quincy, can you briefly uh, introduce yourself to our audience and uh, give us a little bit of your background?
4: Uh, Sure. Uh, Well, my name is Quincy Worthy. Uh, I am a New Hampshire transplant, I suppose. Uh, Originally Mm -hmm. from Michigan, I moved out here... About thirteen years ago, uh, to start work in education, and I have not left uh, since. Uh, currently, I am uh, the director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice for the Concord School District.
1: Yes, us Michiganders, we tend to find each other, don't we, Quincy? We really
0: do. Well, so yeah, uh, what what inspired you, uh, Quincy, to uh, pursue your, your current profession?
4: Um, honestly, I would have to say that it probably comes down to maybe family values or something in that realm of uh, my family's always been big on uh, public service. Uh, my dad's a veteran. My mom's a retired child protective service worker. Um, it's just kind of the, the thing to do. Uh, we don't have many folks that work in education in my family, though. So or even. Um, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it with education. So I'm one of the few that do that.
1: But community, that that's always rung big th- for you when I knew you and when I got to know your sister. That's definitely something that brings you to this table for sure.
4: Yep. And it's one of those things that is very much not even said within our family. But yeah. Yeah, you just if I were to look at what all my cousins, aunts, uncles do, it's all very much community, youth services, adult services, something, something
1: like that. Yeah, service to others. Yeah. So, Quincy, I know I've known you for a long time before you joined AHEC programs, but do you want to talk a little bit about what Equity Leaders Fellowship was like for you?
4: Uh, Yeah. uh, Equity Leaders Fellowship was really great for me. It was one of the first uh, statewide leadership programs that I had done. Uh, So I was able to expand my network a great deal. Uh, I was able to learn a lot about different sectors that I had not been a part of. Yes, since I had primarily just been in um, youth development and, like I mentioned before, education. So I had really done very little as far as health, um, very little as far as politics, law, anything uh, in those realms. So I was able to really expand a lot of knowledge that I use today a great deal.
1: Yeah, and I think if memory serves me, Ray, you were in cohort
4: five, right?
1: Well, think,
4: yeah, five or
5: six. I I'm think not it was, quite
1: sure. I feel, I feel like six was our COVID cohort, cohort oh, and you I, were yeah, the year I, before, I before. And yeah. now, um, just so exciting, we're in cohort 10. I feel like wow. that needs a happy dance. <laughs> we're in our 10th cohort of ELF. Um, you know, how, how did ELF have an impact on you? What what made the program meaningful to you? Because you uh, like we just talked with Jim, how he's one of our best recruiters for the interpreter program. You tend to be one of our best recruiters for ELF, and you get all of your friends to do this program. What so, it, what did so, it
0: mean to you? What what is ELF in the first place?
1: <laughs> oh yes, uh, yeah. Equity Leaders Fellowship. Okay, there so you go. we we give it a nickname because yeah. Equity Leaders Fellowship. Saying that over yeah. and over is okay. kind of a mouthful. <laughs> just
0: want to make sure our audience was aware of it. Yeah. Uh, well, for
4: me, I just had such a positive experience, and I think that. How the program is supposed to go is what actually happened for me. So, um, I don't know if Jody, you've mentioned uh, anything about board pairings at no. all? Not today. Well, yeah, oh, well, um part of the program, you're also paired with a, a board uh, for an organization um, that kind of aligns with some of your interests in the in the state. Um with that, you are provided someone that you're going to be have a mentor. you're also going to be shadowing, so, depending on the organization, you might actually be going to a board meeting. You might actually have some input, or maybe you're just there and just observing, um, you know, how things are going procedurally, but it's all set up so that you can, at some point, be ready for when you step into a, a board role for an organization. Uh, so for me, I was lucky enough to shadow with the ACLU of New Hampshire, um, to which now I'm actually a board member up. So it works All out right, really well.
0: congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, what is the most uh, rewarding aspect of uh, Equity Leaders Fellowship, or ELF?
4: Um, I would say it's extremely rewarding to be, for me, it was, I like the fact that it was a very diverse group of individuals. Uh, my cohort was primarily uh, folks of color of, across multiple different uh, mm-hmm. cultures, so I was able to communicate with people that were in a lot of similar roles within their organizations, uh, a lot of similar past lived experiences, uh, whether it was where they moved from before they got to New Hampshire, or just lived experiences being in the state as just uh, a person of color. So I, I got a lot more uh, camaraderie uh, through that.
1: Yeah, that's one of the pieces of feedback that we hear the most from from folks who participate in Equity Leaders Fellowship. They say for many of them, it's the first time that they've ever been in a room where it's only people of color. So the the, the tagline sort of for the program is that it was created by leaders of color for leaders of color. So this is something that it's really unique in New Hampshire and really across the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, DEIJ, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, belonging, they've kind of become buzzwords over the last few years. But we were doing it at ELF before it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> Do you have? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, okay.
0: no, go ahead. You see.
1: Do you have
2: an advice um, that you would get to someone if they were on the fence of joining? Um, what would you say to them?
4: Uh, I would just say take the leap, honestly. Um, but that's advice that I give to anyone uh, in most things in life, which is you know when opportunity knocks, it doesn't hurt to peek outside. So I mean, with with this, I, I see it as there's no reason why you wouldn't give it a go. It's such a supportive network of people. Um, sh- the way that it it kind of caters to your wants and needs as well. So if you're already aligned with the work that they're already doing, you'll find a topic or a subject that you'll be able to dive deeper into uh, that will either spark some interest or just make you more knowledgeable for, for whatever you're trying to do in the future.
1: Yeah. And Quincy, with your job now, you really have kind of taken Elf like full time. (laughs) How has that been for you um, in the work that you're doing and living out these values that you have full time for your paid job?
4: Yeah, it's great. Um, And it also, when I mentioned that you learn so much about different sectors, now I'm sitting in leadership meetings with folks from our whole district, all the other administrators. They're all working in legal, health, social emotional learning, all of these different subsects that I was not as knowledgeable about prior to Elf, you know, eight nine year eight years ago or however long ago it was. Um, but yeah, now I'm I'm able to speak uh, knowledgeably knowledgeably in these these meetings based on just that little initial bit that I got from Elf that allowed me to then do my own uh, expansive
0: research and just it. So, uh, what is next for you, Quincy? Hmm. Uh,
4: Well, let's see. Well, I actually was uh, accepted into another statewide leadership program, um, Leadership New Hampshire. What? Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I was supposed to be on this current cohort, but... um, As you can maybe assume or not, I had too much going on this year, (laughs) so I had to uh, defer to next year. So I know that that's something I'm doing next year. Oh, that's uh, incredible, Quincy. Yep. And then outside of that, I just am going to be continuing doing my director of diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work uh, with the district. And also this weekend, all the other folks with my position throughout the state, which is four of us in the public school sector— we are uh, getting together for a, a conference.
5: Uh, oh, wonderful! Cool.
4: Yeah, we're convening just to align on what we're doing as far as this year, going into next year, and just doing some future planning.
0: Oh, that is terrific. That
1: is great. Well, and hopefully, whatever with, with whatever plans come next, you keep referring people to Elf because we get so many good candidates from
4: you. <laughs> I will. I <laughs> I cannot speak any higher up yeah. of the organization. And honestly, when I run into folks, usually they're people who like just moved here and really just want to, you know, get a good network, and what better way than just with a bunch of like-minded individuals that are,
1: you know, you share something in common. Exactly. It's a great way to build community.
0: So the program uh, certainly had an impact on your life, Quincy. Yeah, for sure. Well, it is great to have you with us on this uh, edition of Your Health New Hampshire, and uh, Quincy, we uh, wish you the best uh, going forward. Thank you. Quincy Worthy here Yes, you too. Quincy Worthy from uh, Equity Leaders Fellowship. And uh, he is uh, moving up in, in his career with uh, the great training from uh, AHEC and uh, ELF, their, their program. And uh, great to chat with Quincy today on the show. And we will continue after these words on WKXL, NHtalkradio.com. The program is Your Health, New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. The program focuses on wellness and health education. And uh, we will be right back here on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com. Stay with us. And we welcome you back to Your Health, New Hampshire. And this program is presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. The program focuses on wellness and health education. And uh, today... We are hearing from participants of a variety of programs offered by Southern New Hampshire AHEC. And uh, Jody Harper is in studio. Uh, Jody, Associate Director of Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education. And Yosita Tanjai is with us as well, making her radio debut on this edition of Your Health New Hampshire. (laughs) And uh, joining us on the phone now is Hamida Hassan. And, uh, Hamida, uh, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you with us. Can you just briefly introduce yourself and uh, a little bit of your background, if you would?
5: Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Hamida Hassan. I am a 25-year-old Somali-American woman. Um, For the most part, I grew up in um, Manchester. I've been living in Manchester since 2009. Um, I went to a couple of the school systems in Manchester, and I do have an undergraduate and a master's to be in both in social work from the University of New Hampshire.
0: Very good, very good. So, uh, when did you first uh, meet Jody?
5: Um, I met Jody through a program called Bring It um, in 2010, I believe. Yeah, uh, we at go New way Street back. School. Yeah, we go way, way back.
1: Yeah. And so, Hamida, you, in high school, you, or even in, well, yes, high school, so you participated in our summer camps at AHEC, didn't you? And then some of the other, talk about some of the, like, the summer camps for nursing, the health career exploration programs you did when you were in high school.
5: Yes, I was quite a participant with AHEC since I was in high school. The very first program with AHEC I can remember participating in the nursing program. I think it might have been like the second or third annual nursing program in Mm ASEC to bring it to the after school program I attended. Um, At at the beginning, I thought I wanted to go into the medical field and be a nurse. I decided to take the nursing program after school and bring it and It was very fun. A couple of my friends and I um, signed up for the program, I think it was Wednesday night at Hillside Middle School.
1: Yeah, and then you graduated and went on to get your bachelor's, and you joined us as an intern. Talk a little bit about what it was like for you going from being a participant in these programs to being a staff member helping to run these programs.
5: Yes, it was such an exciting and nervous—a little bit nerve-wracking at the beginning because of the transition to be from, from a student to becoming— um, an actual employee or adult who is navigating the system with the other kiddos was a bit challenging as I am a tiny person and the other kiddos thought I was a student myself. So when I finished, when I graduated high school, I went to, co- to um to college and then during my last year, I became an intern with AHEC, and it was very um it was very different being an intern and being um being a student and being an intern. I love that I was able to help some of the students navigate the same systems that I went through. and most of the students identified the same backgrounds as I did and had the same like similar stories. So it was good to be a resource for those students and just be there to support them whenever they need it. And I think um, I was able to gain most of the students trust just because um, we had like I said, we had the same similar stories. And we share the same background, so I really loved being like a support system for students because I love when people are able to come to me, and I'm able to provide the help in like the best possible way that I could.
1: Yeah, you you may have wanted to be a nurse when you were in high school, but I think we always saw that social worker's heart in you.
5: Yes, I did <laughs> want to be a nurse, and I found a different passion yeah. in helping others through social work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and Hamida, you actually participated in another AHEC program that we, I forgot to put on our notes for today, and you were a fellow in the Equities Leaders Fellowship. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like for you?
5: Yeah, I loved being um, in the um, Equity Leaders Fellowship. It was very, um, it was a good space. Um, at UNH, I was um, predominantly surrounded by um, Caucasian students and to be in uh, equity leadership, where it was a lot of like leaders of color, um, it really gave me a different perspective on things and it challenged me to speak up for myself, stand up for myself in like spaces where I don't feel like I belong or I may have like imposter syndrome in the moment. Um, with the equity leaders fellowship, it was a lot of like um, adults of color that were in like positions that I imagined myself to be in and just learning from them and being a part of. Uh, um, being just being a part of the conversations that we had in those in those um classroom sessions really opened my eyes to some of the things that are happening around the world or some of the um, opportunities that may be available to someone like me going through um going up in New Hampshire. So I really appreciated and loved being part of that program. I wish it was longer though.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: you're not the first one that said that. <laughs> Hamida, can you tell me
2: um, how do you see the youth organization? Oh, sorry, the youth program um, and ELF impacting the community. I'm
5: sorry. Can you say that again? Oh yeah, of oh, course. Sorry.
2: Um, can you uh, tell me a little bit of how you see the youth program that you've participated in and the ELF impacting the community?
5: I think we could use more youth programs like the ones I did through AHAC because there's a. Um, a lot of students who um, feel like they belong in spaces, or they can't do some of the things their um, other students, um, the same ages as them, are doing, just because they don't have the resources, or they don't know what to do, or how to proceed with them. So, for me, just being in those spaces, I think it really helped me become the person I am today, and be in the position that I was today. Because I feel like if I didn't go through those programs. I wouldn't know, like, some of the um, career op- career options that were available to me or how to even apply for colleges because mm. with Brinket and with some of the programs I went through with AHAC, I was able to learn more about financial aid and how I could apply for FAFSA. I even received help. I even received help with my, my college essays just because I'm a first-generation college student and my parents have no idea or had no idea how, what college even was or how to, like, navigate the systems in college. So having these programs I think really do have a big impact on how students how the success rates of students of color or immigrant students in the future, having someone to support you and just give you like a little shove and um just filling an application I think really goes a long way. And even with eLf, um just because I made it in college and I like got a little bit of a routine of what to do and I knew I had support systems. I feel like I still needed more support systems. So with ELF, just having adults of color who were in like, but um, in positions that I did not know that I could be in, just seeing them in those positions really gave me like a different perspective of some of the things I can do. And I, to be able to see someone who looks like me and talks like me and like went through the same experiences as me just be successful also gave me like a bit motivation and just um i just told myself hey i can if they can do it i can do it as well so just seeing just being someone that looks like me really um challenged me more and um i accepted myself for who i am and and just like what's the word um i guess i just motivated myself to like just be in that position someday as well so i can do the same thing
4: yeah or
5: i can be um I can do the same things that they're doing for a person who may have difficulties like
1: me during the like during that time oh hamida if you could see me i have the biggest smile on my face right now i am so <laughs> proud so so thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly about your experience and how you see AHEC programs impacting the community and now um because i'm your biggest cheerleader so i'm one of your biggest cheerleaders saeed might be number one biggest but um you know you're a woman with a master's degree now tell us a little about the work that you do now full-time for your day job
5: Oh, yes, I love my job. I don't know if you guys can hear some noise in the background. <laughs> I actually work in the school system now. The kids are transitioning from leases into classes. So, um, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma now, where I'm employed with Creole um, Behavioral Health Center. So I am a therapist in in the school system. So I come through, the, I, I come, I'm in the schools, and I work um, with kiddos from pre-K to fifth grade at um, in Oklahoma. It's in, in very... Oklahoma. So I work in the very elementary schools and I just provide a lot of like behavioral health and counseling services to the students within the school system. And I love it. It's my first year. Of course, at first I was nervous because um, I just got my master's degree a year ago. So this is my first job. Um, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, but I see the impact I am having in these kids and the parents are like really um, appreciative that we have a therapist in the schools because. Um, parents are working and after school it's hard for them to take kiddos into um, health centers that they can have therapy sessions just because yeah so just being able to have this um, just being able to be in this space while the kids are in school like I grab them during recess or specials which is gym music and um, computers we just So I just use during that time to like give them the counseling sessions that they need. So that's what I do for work right now, and I really love it so far.
0: Hamida, uh, a delight to have you on the show, and uh, we wish you continued success.
5: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm very grateful for this opportunity.
0: Well, we are glad to have you with us. Thanks so much for, for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me once again.
0: Thank you, Hamida. And uh, Jody, any reminders of uh, upcoming things going on at uh, AHEC?
1: Yeah, just make sure to check out our show page. You can visit us at uh, Southern New Hampshire AHEC. So it's S-N-H-A-H-E-C dot org. You can check out our upcoming classes for all of our programs. And you can sign up for Walk With Ease anytime. It is startwalkwithease.org slash N-H-D-H-H-S.
0: Outstanding. Jody Harper, thank you. And also thanks to you. Yosita Tanjai, yep. great to have you in the studio today as well on this edition of Your Health New Hampshire presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. The program focuses on wellness and health education. And we'll see you next time on Your Health New Hampshire here on WKXL and